0: Welcome to Unbooking the Territory as we continue our journey through the highest and lowest TV rated episodes of Monday Night Wars for each creative period. This week sees Terry Taylor, Ed Ferrara, and John Laurinaitis's highest rated episode.
1: I'll handle this treasure map, it's in two pieces. Oh wow! It's actually from the WWE Board of Directors. Must be some pretty big business. Dear Mr. Laurinaitis. Wow, wow. that is your real name. How about it?
0: And here's Terry Taylor representing World Championship Wrestling.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I stand before you as a proud member of the WCW executive board. And we have the following announcement. Uh, 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 uh. The Red Rooster is going crazy. He's so excited. I stand before you as a man. I stand before you as a real man. Who was bathed in barbecue sauce last Sunday night? Oklahoma, you know when you wear that hat, you're nothing but big hat, and no cattle.
2: I have two words: people power.
1: how are you this week, Dan? I'm really good, mate. Thanks. I've had a nice chilled-out week off. I've uh, I've even managed to uh, frequent a couple of boozers, watch a lot of watch a fair whack of wrestling.
0: So I'm uh, I'm feeling good this week. How are you, mate? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, I've drank a lot of beer. Maybe, maybe not frequented that many boozers, but still. <laughs> like that. Recorded a "Bang Bang" podcast with Andy, and I thought in tribute to Steve. I'd uh, get out the fourteen percent stout, which uh, was maybe a little bit of a mistake in hindsight, but we'll see when it comes <laughs> out.
1: <laughs> was that the um, Was that the Brew York one?
0: It was. The, yeah, uh, yeah. That's because beautiful nightmare or something. But yeah. You're
1: you're, you're asking me like I remember it. One, I drank it months ago, and two, I was pissed. Yeah. (laughs) How am I going to remember?
0: Because we we did it on, uh, it'll be out by now, it'll be out like four weeks ago in uh, Bang Bang's archive. But we did it on Big Daddy's last match in um, ITV Wrestling. And we also watched Big Daddy's appearance on This Is Your Life. And they had his trainer, Sandy Orford, came out as one one of the people. And he had actually caused an entire season of rugby league to be voided. And I was telling the story, but I was so pissed off I, I kept getting it wrong. So apologies to people <laughs> who ago. I can't wait to have
1: heard the full uh the full
0: unedited version of that, because you know Andy will keep it. Yeah, I, yeah. S- I said to Andy you need to do some serious editing on that part. Andy was like, editing? Yeah. The fuck who's editing? Um was we've got duty this week. Well, we could flip a coin for it now if you want. We've got we've got to make a good impression. Whoever is on intro duty this week,
1: it's just okay. It's been that long since we had this guest on that I can't remember who uh, who did the intro because you know we, we do the nice intro and I do the shithouse intro.
0: I think to be fair, it was me then you. So it's it's his third time on the show. This is a man who has just cracked the two thousand five hundred subscribers on YouTube, well over three hundred thousand views. Absolutely taking the wrestling content creation world by storm. And our boss on That Night is Wrestling podcast channel is James. How are you, James?
2: Thanks, guys. Doing well today. You can tell it's coming Christmas. You can feel that chill in the air in the morning and on the evening. So as a builder who works outside, it's not particularly pleasant. (laughs) But besides that, I'm doing all right. Your fingers and
1: your toes turning blue as well as your phone screen.
2: Yeah. (laughs) just uh, set in the atmosphere, I suppose you could say the ambience, but yeah, uh, now I'm doing good and yeah, thanks for that. Please to, uh, after this, uh, the subscribers count will probably end up going back down to 500. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we have that effect on our guests.
2: <laughs> Pe- people will be like, I'm subscribed to his channel. Well, <laughs> oh, let's not <laughs> But uh, no, thank-, thank you. Please to uh, hit it uh, over the main to get it and yeah, if you tell me 18 months ago, however long it's been now, that, you know, would have had, you know, people who, I hope they enjoy the content, but, yeah, people checking out the videos and the channel, but, yeah, can't believe it, so, today I'm just a wrestling fan who's been very lucky to do some interviews and, obviously, review the shows with yourselves and uh, Mag, so, yeah, very fortunate and very grateful to everyone.
1: Bullshit, you're one of the hardest working men in podcasting. (laughs) <laughs> look, look, looks, looks, looks—just where talent meets opportunity. Mate. You've done incredibly well, and I uh, can't wait to see uh, see where you go from here. And thanks for having us along for the ride.
0: Oh, thank you. Excellent. So uh, I don't know what's happening in the wrestle shed. I don't know. What I'm drinking. Have you got a drink on the go there, James?
2: I had a Dr Pepper.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what's the worst that can happen, eh? I've, I've heard it's incredibly misunderstood, Dr Pepper. If you're wow. under that advert.
2: I was going through Audi the other day, <laughs> and they've got an Audi version of Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Professor Peppy. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently,
0: maybe some of our American uh, listeners can can help with this. I, I believe, you know, because like there's Coke, Pepsi, and uh, Sprite, and 7-Up, and Fanta, and Tango, they've all got competition. I don't think Dr. Pepper had any competition, so the same company did. that did Dr. Pepper... Yeah, same company that makes Dr Pepper released a drink in America called Mr Pib that's exactly the same and just. I just, thought that was competition. I, I, I thought I thought that was the same company. Uh, we, we, I might get corrected on that, but uh, it's it's good if it is. But Professor, whatever it is,
1: <laughs>
0: coming from the rails.
1: <laughs> I need to reach out to Jeff Cannonball just to link uh, wrestling and uh, wrestling and soft drinks. He does his uh,
0: he does his sort soda reviews. He'll know. I'll tweet him later. So if, uh, but before you do that, you are you drinking? Does the Pope shit in the woods? Of course I'm drinking. Well, uh, we, uh, to... asked him. we asked him if he was Catholic, but no one's dared tweet D'Angelo De Niro to find <laughs> out he's just in the woods. And, and you didn't ask when you interviewed him, James.
1: No. If you get a part two, that's my question. <laughs> so I've gone down to uh, New Bristol Brewery for my first one. I'm on an espresso martini cinder toffee stout seven percent coffee and honeycomb it's new bristol brewing it's a stout so it's bloody delicious um i was a bit dubious with the uh, of the mix of coffee and honeycomb but it's going down a treat and then next up i've got northern monks north star three which is the black forest version of uh, northern monks imperial stout at nine percent it's a collaboration with lurvig just noticed that in the supermarket earlier so i'm excited to try that one because
0: the first two were bloody gorgeous I like Nova Monk and I like Lurvig. Uh, That's a a dangerous combination there. And at the moment, just polishing off one that's called Space Race, which is from McKellar. And that's a 6.7% New England IPA. Quite lucky to get one with alcohol. Uh, McKellar seem to be branching out very heavily into the alcohol-free beers, but uh, that's not one of them. And then, because Scott Steiner's on the show, I've got Big Popper Pump, which is a Cairo Pop Pale Ale at 5%, and that's from brew york and it's a collab with yakimi chief hops and then i'm gonna go on to Town 2 which is a collab between salt and queer brewery and that's an imperial porter at eight percent
1: very nice i can vouch for one of those the uh, the big hopper pump is uh, is a decent uh, decent enough yeah. i'm pretty sure i drank that on the show because i had the full uh, I had the full set i had the far back
0: yeah, I've I've still got the uh, Scotty 2 Hoppy and the Shawn Michaels one, whatever that one is, in the fridge. Sweet Chinook music. Yeah. Worth buying just for the can because It's all got wrestlers on it. Yeah, exactly the same. Now it's time for the listeners to sit back and relax, and they can be the virtual Carl Merrill, and they'll be the virtual Reginald, and recommend a drink that they should have while they're watching this episode of Monday Nitro. So do you have a recommendation, James?
2: What? Up? <laughs> <laughs> so I I think I said last time I'm Reto and Coke. My favourite beer when I do drink, which is rare because I'm a teetotal uh idiot. But yeah, I do like Peroni. It's expensive, but it's nice. Excellent. Fair enough.
0: Now i would have to go being teetotal. I wish I had that kind of willpower. <laughs>
2: Irish. <laughs> I really did. <laughs>
0: The uh, McKellar, that my first beer's from tonight, do a, a very wide range of alcohol free beers. So, you know, they're, they're really sort of coming up there. So, there might be something worth investigating. I even recommended a
1: uh, non alcohol, the uh, zero alcohol Guinness on last week's show sure, because I, I couldn't drink, because so I was on antibiotics. Um, although that was a second-hand recommendation uh, based on what my brother
2: told me. Never liked Guinness. Just. So, you never had Guinness? No, ne- I don't like it. I've never liked it. <laughs> I've tried. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a massive
1: fan. There are better stouts
2: out there. It's just not for me. I just, like, every time I've tried it, like, it's just, I don't know, it's just not for me. Like, I, like I drink some beers, but to be honest, I do prefer me liquors when I do drink. But, yeah, Guinness, like, I don't know if it's a novelty for people because it looks good in a glass, but it just wasn't ever for me. It can be a bit like a, a drinking a roast dinner.
0: Yeah. I did see something once that if you have a glass of orange juice and 37 pints of Guinness, you'll get all the minerals that you need for the day. 37? Yeah. Wow.
1: What do you have for
0: the other half of the day? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, to talk about what you'd have for the other half of the day, what would you recommend, Dan?
1: Uh, I've gone for the 2021 edition of Fairy Tale of Brew York, which is a gingerbread milk stout at 4.9%. I gave it four and untapped. It's got a lovely warm and gingerbread flavour, I know it's a little bit early, but it is a bit like Christmas in a can, it's got a lovely thick texture to it, a bit of sweetness coming through as you'd expect from milk stout. Oh and I had just happened to be the uh, the first person to check that beer in on Untapped, so it was my second Untapped whack uh, in about three weeks, just thought I'd get that on the show and make sure it's on record.
0: Yeah, I knew that's where you were going with that. As soon as you said "fairy tale of I knew the bastard tap <laughs> I knew you knew as soon as you as soon as you frowned and shook your head. That was the reaction you were hoping for, there, wasn't it, Dan? I hope you're happy with yourself. <laughs> I am. I'm I am. Yeah. Yeah. very yeah. happy. I know you are too happy. So yeah, that's a problem. Right, I am going to go with. Hair of the Dog, because K-Dog is going to be in the hair versus hair match on this. Uh, <laughs> it's a 3.9% Blondale from Pennine Brewing Co. It's one that I gave 3.5 out of 5 to 1 on Taps, and Beth's given 2.5 to 1 on Taps. So she does give uh, the very least average reviews on some of these beers. <laughs> so talking about that, it's uh, now time for best Beer of the Week.
2: And Beth's Beer of the Week is Life and Death by Vocation Brewery. So, best beer of the week
0: there was Life and Death by Vocation Brewery. That's 6.5% IPA. It's one that she's given 2 out of 5 to on taps. Dan, you gave 3.25, and I absolutely hate this one. I gave it a quarter. You know, that's a range. <laughs> Jesus, it's, it's not that bad, Rob. Did you get a bad batch, or were you just in a pissy mood that day? Uh, possibly both. I don't know. I mean, I really like Vocation as a brewery as well, so who knows? That That one wasn't for me, though. Road, do you? Yeah, not not a fan of that one. So talking about things that we're not fans of, this booking period is uh, where Ed Ferrara, Terry Taylor, and General Electric are in charge. Uh, they're going to be in charge fuck, for fuck Terry Taylor, fuck Terry fuck. Taylor, Jesus Christ, <laughs> fucking Red Roots, coming here booking our wrestling shows <laughs> twenty years ago. Yeah. They're going to be in charge for 23 episodes. They've got an average of 2.29. The lowest episode, which we've already covered, which is in the archives, was on the 12th of December 2000, got a rating of 1.7. And this is their highest on the 15th of January 2000, with a rating of 2.65. Compares to the previous creative period, where Vince Russo was solely in charge, and that had an average of 2.81. And compares to the final ever Nitro, which got an average, well, just the one time only, of three. And that was written by Shane McMahon, Bruce Pritchard, and they had the muscle of Gerald Briscoe at his uh, guerrilla position making sure that no shenanigans went down. But it, it always makes me laugh that, you, you know, you're going to send some muscle to Nitro to make sure that nothing goes down. You know, who, who are we going to send from the uh, the roster? Are we going to send Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle? Are we going to send Air apparent to the company Triple H? Nah, we'll send Gerald Briscoe. We saw that him and Patterson can still kick ass. Well, they, they should have sent them both as a pair, but I think they're more intimidating when they come as a pair. <laughs> yeah. If
1: there, was anybody, if there was anybody trying to wrestle in uh, in sweater vests, they'd have had them.
0: Yeah. What was it they used to yeah. say? Uh, a, re- a wrestler for the ages, age 70 to 90. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's time to go off the top five moments of the show whether they be good bad or just talking points and we'll negotiate and get a collective five between us so james is you're the guest what's your first one
2: well i'll go from five uh, i'll leave my best one last then so yeah so at five mike awesome with a not so awesome haircut unfortunately you have these glorious mullets shaved off
0: it's, it's gutting i mean you've built an entire empire around mullets of the night and uh... <laughs>
2: <laughs> it really is it, a it, fucking travesty of my soul died when i was watching it i was like no, <laughs> I, I was cheering on awesome in that match okay love for you conan but mike awesome was my guy and you shaved his wallet off and i was like oh i just died a little inside
0: <laughs> i mean it was supposed to be billy kidman versus mike awesome hair versus hair but uh just the you know they'd the beaten down Billy Kidman backstage, so they're going to get Conan to step into him who's completely bald in a hair versus hair match. <laughs> I
1: was do a <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: it's not the
1: first time they've had somebody wrestling for somebody else's hair, though, is it, in WCW? No. And,
0: uh,
1: they had Elizabeth's hair on the line uh, a little while back. We never actually saw the match, but we saw her reaction to her hair being put up for grabs, which was absolutely priceless. But this was. For a podcast and then from the the pay per view reviews, where we spend so much time talking about mullets and then, in my case, picking out people in the crowd, usually, it was a very very sad time. You, you fuck the funeral for Goldberg's career. We should have had a funeral for Mike Awesome's mullet.
2: Oh yeah, it's kind of like Samson when he got his hair shaved off. Like once that happened, that was the end of Mike Awesome's career in wrestling, pretty much.
0: Yeah, pretty yeah. I mean, he goes on to be one of the founding figures in MLW, but yeah. He... He's never at that stage that you thought he could have been, and I think you're right. The, the, it's not it's not the power booking in WCW; it's uh, losing his Samson-like hair that's caused the problem.
2: Yeah,
1: but it, it built it built a brand around it, hadn't it? You know, when the, you know the fans were chanting mullet at him and bringing signs, and then he could get you know he could get all the pissy and in the ring and
0: that. So it was it was the death knell. Yeah, so I think this is certainly a pivotal moment in Mike Awesome's career. Um, I'm more than happy to put it on the list. It was on my list because it's so so on brand.
1: See, that's what match itself wasn't bad either. Uh, to yeah. be fair, no, no, it's it a it per- match. Yeah, above average. Mike and Mike Sanders, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> I need to get
1: Mike Sanders on the show one
2: day. I really do.
0: <laughs> It'll be an above-average guest, not by much,
2: but- <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just a rumour or two.
2: That's why I shouldn't name my podcast that. Above Average Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: maybe that's your name for the Patreon. So, Dan, what's your first one?
1: I want to go to something that involved a favourite of the show. I want to go to Chavo Guerrero defending his cruiserweight title against Crowbar. I have that. Because we've, we've, yeah, we've seen Crowbar do all the hardcore stuff. We've seen him sort of surprised by being a pretty damn good commentator. When he got the chance, he's obviously been in and around the storyline, uh, as was with David Flair and Daphne. Daphne is now his valet. But this match really showed what Crowbar, how good Crowbar was, just in the ring when you give him half a chance. I know that was the whole point of the storyline as well. It was just fantastic. He's hitting slingshot, uh, slingshot splashes, springboard moonsaults. The match itself, it annoyed me first up because Chavo came out first. And I fucking hate it when the champion comes out first. It's one of my bugbears in wrestling. And then I wasn't too much of a fan of the finish, even though it kind of served a narrative purpose because Crowbar just out of nowhere decides to grab a chair. The fans seem into that. Um, He sets the chair up, Chavo slingshots over the top uh, to the floor, plants Crowbar's face in the chair, rolls Crowbar back in, hits a brain buster for the three. But everything bell to bell was absolute quality. Absolute quality. It's one of those ones where I, there was so much going on that I struggled to to pick out one single moment. The one thing I, that does stick out was, was just after a Death Valley Driver that Crowbar had hit. Crowbar put Chavo on the top, tries for the Hurricane Rana. Chavo holds on, tries for a Tornado DDT, but Crowbar throws him out out of it. Ch- Crowbar charges and Chavo hits the drop to hold. Tries for a springboard move off the second row, but crowbar counters into a northern light suplex. And it's but it's it, it, they managed to do that without it looking like choreographed gymnastics.
0: Yeah. That's your first public warning for this uh, show, Dan. It's not a hurricane Runner in two thousand and one WCW, that's a Frankensteiner. It's <laughs> only a Frankensteiner when Scott Steiner does it. Um, I don't know. What were your thoughts on the match, James?
2: yeah i don't my list as well yeah i loved it crowbar aka Devin storm he was in the original uh, tournament for the like every title wasn't he in the wwe in 97. so and he does uh, some work in ecw as well doing that style so i knew he's capable of it but it was the first time i'd seen him do one of their matches in wcw because i was so used to seeing him tag with david flair doing the hardcore matches but uh travel grove you know, if, if Eddie wasn't his uncle, he would probably have been, like, world champion or given the Eddie push, I suppose you could say. Underappreciated. I don't know if he's underappreciated to be honest, because a lot of people do appreciate him now, because they realise how good of a talent he is, but obviously he's always had that sh- oh, overshadowed by Eddie, which is going to be natural, because Eddie is, you know, one of the old-time legends. But no, i really enjoyed this match, and when this, you know, pretty much the first match on the card, I think it was tonight... I was like, yeah, this is actually a good show tonight. Uh, I was a bit (laughs) depredatious about going into it, but I was like, this has actually turned out to be a pretty damn good show. And yeah, I really enjoyed this match. And I do miss, I know WWE's got the Cruiserweight division, but to me now, today's Cruiserweight wrestlers, they're just wrestlers. Whereas in Chavo had a character and Crowbar had a character. So that's what made the Cruiserweight division work, even in the early 2000s WWE. You had like Uranium Steel, you know what he was You had Bo- uh, Jamie Noble They were still characters, he was great wrestlers So I do miss this type of Cruiserweight division, but now really enjoyed this match
1: Both Chavo and Crowbar Are still going
2: They're yeah. still doing
1: bits Chavo um, was at the last Well, at, at time of recording The last uh, Bloodsport event even You know, working shoot style fights And uh, Crowbar, I think just recently Appeared on one of the AEW shows
2: yeah, he did actually message me the other week, so I think he's actually coming on the show soon, so uh, we're going to have to talk about this match. Yeah, great stuff.
0: And
1: his
2: commentary. Yeah, Brilliant <laughs> commentary, Crowbar. Really good.
0: I mean, the other thing about Eddie, um, sorry, Chavo Guerrero is, I, I always associate that WCW Cruiserweight belt with Chavo. I mean, I know they sort of brought it back in a very similar style in WWE, uh, the same belt, and... I think that says a lot in my memory to to do that, because when you consider the, you know, the the Dean Malenko's, the Chris Jericho's, the Ultimo Dragons that have held that belt, and you know, whenever I think of that particular belt, Chavo's the person I sort of picture holding it.
2: Yeah, yeah, the good run there, like, towards the end of C W, he was doing like some of the best, well, best work of his early career, I suppose you could say. But yeah, yeah, awesome match.
1: Yeah. Best best work of his career so far. Once he broke away
0: from Lieutenant Loco and the Misfits in
2: action.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the other thing about this with Crowbar, I, I I quite liked the bit where he goes and gets the chair randomly, but because in his mind it, it's that sort of you know fighting against his urge to be a hard wrestler. Yeah. They really, they really put that over on commentary as well that you know it was against his natural instincts to just work a normal match. Like I said,
1: I know it served a narrative purpose, and I know why they did it. It really fucking annoyed me because just, just I wanted because I wanted Crowbar to win. That's why yeah. <laughs> I really wanted Crowbar to win the match. they it's like, just pin him. You yeah. just go for the pin for God's sake. I was, uh, I was, I was marking out a little bit.
0: Oh. Well, I think we should have bonus points for Daphne's uh, dice bobbles that she had in her hair as well, that were uh, the size of ten. <laughs>
1: And when she's when she's at ringside, just the, I think Crowbar had hit a splash off the apron onto the floor, and Daphne was just there, just going,
2: <laughs>
1: "Sound like Nelson," "Sound like
2: Nelson months
0: Yeah, that was brilliant. So, are you happy for this one to go on, James?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, by all means, it was uh, on my list, so yeah, very happy if you're happy. Yeah, two for two, two for
0: two so far. I am going to go for something that didn't actually happen on this show, but it's certainly notable. And I imagine a lot of people tuned in for the start of the show to see what had happened. I'm going to go for Sid's injury from um, Sin the previous night. Dan's already feeling queasy at this. and and it actually spoiled kind of a big angle because they were sort of building to this whole mystery man's going to appear and the mystery man turns out to be road warrior animal but as just before he comes to the ring sid jumps off the second rope lands awkwardly and his leg goes in a direction it should never go and it's in two directions it's awful watching back during the video package, Tony Schiavone did a typical wrestling thing by claiming that um, Sid had, had to have a 43-inch rod put in his leg. <laughs> That's
1: nearly four feet. Is yeah. Sid's tall? As we know, he's six foot nine. He was six foot nine yesterday, six foot nine today, and he'll be six foot nine tomorrow. But I don't think that equates to a nearly four foot long leg. The bad news is
0: you've completely shattered your, uh, your fever. The, the good news is we've made you three foot taller.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> but my dad had a car accident. He's got a rod in his leg. Like...
1: <laughs> is it five yeah, inches?
2: <laughs> Not quite that tall. I, think. It was about, I don't know how long it was, but when he shoved his car, I was like, ouch. <laughs> oh, God.
0: Any, any injury like that, you're going to need some serious surgery. and.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm presuming this is his last ever match in WCW. I know it's a stupid question, but I presume. I I mean, uh, I think he'd done some work in TNA. I might be wrong. A lot of WCW wrestlers made appearances in TNA. I don't know if he did if he didn't, but as far as I know, he didn't wrestle in WWE again. He made a couple of appearances. So is this his his last match for a major promotion?
0: He had a match against Heath Slater during Heath Slater's Run with the Legends. Right, yeah. <laughs> he did. And he yeah. still
1: looked pretty much the same, which was amazing.
2: Yeah. 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 I don't know if it was a winning or a match, but yeah, it was a match. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, you know my stance like big guys should wrestle as big guys. And especially back in these days, like uh, you could see what he's trying to do. He's just trying to do like, you know, a middle rope big diving big boots uh but essentially but of the guy the weight of that to land on your ankle i i dread jumping and landing on my ankles from like two foot off the ground so <laughs> this big guy all that weight into the ankle you just ask him for trouble and unfortunately yeah it was so bad um how he's been at, it i hate seeing things like that and obviously we're football fans and when something like that happens on the football pitch it you know it turns our stomach, but yeah, that was just a, it was horrible uh, to see. But yeah, just so nasty. Well, I've good. just
1: I've just he said about he said about football injuries. I've just remembered um, Jibril Yeah, was, that's... Uh, when his, when his foot ended up the wrong way around.
2: Yeah, he was actually playing really well for it. Just ended his career pretty much, well. Ended him being a top player anyway. Uh, after that, he, he was never the same again. And we've seen then that he came with, back.
1: He came back and did the other leg.
2: Yeah, <laughs> well, and he was on, like I said, he was on a good run a farm for us as well. Yeah. So yeah, unfortunately, it happened. Such a bad injury. So how he's walking? I know it's a, you know it's just a broken leg, but it was like he's like <laughs> it was about was hanging by a friend, the way it snapped. When it,
1: looked, it you say it's just a broken leg. It looked like his shin was made of fucking licorice. Yeah, it, it's one of the clips where people say oh, wrestling's fake and know how to fall. I show people two things. I get the clip up on YouTube of when Vader uh, got his eye popped out. Yeah. And I show him that. Just to say, it might be scripted, it might be you know predetermined, but it can still go fucking wrong. <laughs> but just it makes me feel sick every single time I see it.
0: Mm. In terms of this top five being about the five talking points from the show, I think even though it turns your stomach, it's definitely something that people would have gone away from this show
1: Oh, yeah. oh do you yeah! Imagine, imagine not being able to watch the pay per view live. You can't yeah. afford it, or you just can't see it. You don't have the time, whatever. And then you tune into Nitro the next night, and that's the first thing you see, pretty much. Well,
0: the opening do, video package. I do wonder if part of this rating was people tuning in to find out what happened. Uh, you know, I, I wonder what the first the, qu- the first quarter hour must have been, because yeah. there was probably a lot of people who. Were you know, that heard about Sid and, you know, oh, we'll, we'll miss the first quarter of an hour of Raw to see what on earth's happened.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, rather, like, wrestling was still mainstream during these days and obviously around the playgrounds. So, you know, if your mates watched it the night before and which, you know, we've all been like that. We've been to school and your friend tells you, oh, did you see what happened last night? And then you tune in and, like, same like, for people in the workplace and that because that's how popular wrestling was during these days. You know, when you hear about it, you're going to tune in. And when you see it, I can only imagine. And obviously, it's a big takeaway for the night and still a big takeaway. Now, people ask a a wrestling fan about Sid's injury. And I would say 99 out of 100 of them knows what you're talking about. So, yeah, by all means, it belongs in that list because it's, you know, it's up there as one of the biggest injuries of all time, I would say, in wrestling.
1: I never knew which show that happened on. Right. I was watching the opening cinematic and then the start, you know, Tony Schiavone starts with his content warning and it's graphic and all that. Literally in my notes, because as, as I'm watching it, I'm, you know, typing stuff out. In my notes, this is what I've written verbatim. Oh, God, it seems like break. No, fuck that. Yeah. And they, they replayed it
0: so many times.
2: Yeah, it's slow motion so as well. So many times.
0: Yeah. the man oh. <laughs> But it's like a car crash. You can't not watch it. And. You know that that must have been the most viewed part of the show because, you know, it, it's real life, uh, and as horrific as it is, there's that well, sort of the carb thing that people want to see yeah.
2: Well, imagine that what happened mean? today. I mean, we've all gone back and see, uh, had to look at injuries now, but imagine, like, I don't think fi- uh, we haven't seen anything that graphic for a while, like a, a proper break. And as far as I know, from what I can remember, um, it, what's the last Wynn time Barrett. we've seen? Wade yeah. Barrett had
1: a really bad. I think it was Wade Barrett, or was it? The, no, it was Wade Barrett. He had a really bad dislocated elbow, That's as right. uh, when he got eliminated from the Battle Royal, and you could see his arm flopping about, and he's on the floor screaming and swearing and whatnot. And then the Miz got launched over and landed on his hand.
2: That's right. Yeah.
1: And then I've not actually seen it yet, so I don't know how graphic it is. But just yesterday, at time oh. of recording, it was the uh, the G One final over in Japan, and Kota Ibushi broke his arm on a Phoenix Splash. Ouch. So obviously he's, you know, done the flips and the spins and want to come down pretty much on his forearm and done either his wrist or the bones in his forearm.
2: Yeah. But uh, yeah, and uh, so when something like that happens, you want to check it out. So think about it. So say that this is the equivalent now. Obviously, WCW back then was the second biggest wrestling company. So this is the equivalent now. Say, I know Lance Archer, for example, similar size to Sid. Not as popular, but, you know, still a big enough name. So this is the equivalent of him now, jumping off the top rope or the middle rope. Snappy's like, how many people is going to tune into it or watch it on YouTube? It's, you know, going to be a fair few. So when you, that's how you put it there. So when you're going back to 2001 and you're hearing about it, then, yeah, I'm sure plenty of people will tuning in just to, to see it.
1: It's one of those iconic moments that we often talk about hitting or missing on this programme. We've hit a fair few. We've missed a fair few. This is one that, like you said, James, it, it's still talked about now. How long? You how long have we just spent talking about it? <laughs> so yeah, um, it wasn't actually on my list because I kind of block it from my mind. But I think I'd go along with you, Rob.
0: Yeah, I mean, if it's a list of five talking points as opposed to five best things, I think I think it just has to be there. You know, cause yeah. I, I think it's the you know. Whoever watched Nitro, that, that's the thing they'd be talking about. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what's your next one, James?
2: So next one, Filthy Animals against Free Count. Free Count is a guilty pleasure of me. I love Free Count. What a great gimmick during that time when you had the likes of Sync and the Backstreet Boys and all of them, a boy band wrestling stable. Such a great gimmick. And, you know, he doesn't love, love's got a hold of my hat. <laughs> <laughs> Four super talented guy, Rey Mysterio, no explanation needed. One of the biggest legends of all time. Massive fan of Billy Kidman in WCW. Uh, didn't really, he, he had some moderate success in WWE, couple of times Cruiserweight Champion, Tag Team Champion. So, yeah, he done well in WWE. I was a fan of Shannon Moore. He was a young kid, uh, never had as much success. And this, and obviously, Gregory Helms, Shane Helms, Hurricane. I do love the Sugar Shane Helms gimmick uh, when he does break off from free count. Four super talented young guys. It was a very, very fast match, and it was over within a flash, but the athleticism between the four of them, there, uh, I really love this match.
0: You could have seen this match on Dynamite this week. You know, it, it felt very 2021. 20, you know, so yeah. some of some of these matches, you know, we say, well, you, well obviously it's a good match for 2000 this this felt some somehow ahead of its time hmm. it yeah that... it's
1: one of those that really stands up i think we need to address the elephant in the room though rob uh, in
0: terms of three count no tank yes. abbott. so it, no it tank. gets marked down for that
1: um <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs> just tank abbott wasn't there
0: well i mean tank abbott's already left wcw at this point uh, T- tank abbott said that he left wcw when he'd made absolutely sure that everyone in the locker room knew that he could beat them up. Even men. <laughs> yeah. He was on a three-year deal. He left, you know, probably um, about a year into the deal just because he was satisfied that everyone
2: uh, knew that he could kick the shit out of them. Imagine Meng and Tank Abbott in a, in a shoot fight. UFC, I would pay. To, I don't really pay for pay-per-views. I would pay for that, <laughs> even now. Uh, uh, even- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <I> would- <laughs>
1: I fucking I fucking saw Meng wrestle a death match last year. Yeah. Just last year, he's sixty, and he you still look at him and just think, "Yeah, I wouldn't fuck with him." He had, had chains instead of rope and and all the rest of it, and he's still just walking through, just walking through all these shots and chair shots and God knows what. Well, still tough um, as old boots.
2: So, am I wrong to believe? Uh, I think I saw it on one of the clips. So, didn't Meng become hardcore champion the night before? And, I think. Yeah, he- and it must have been not long after where he actually left the company for the, the Royal Rumble and he was still the champion. And I don't know if he took the belt with him or left him, but no one went up to him because they was legit scared of him.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <Do you> have- <laughs> yeah he was in the Royal Rumble at the end of that month because I remember right. watching it at the time. It's, it's one of my favourite rumbles anyway, but
0: I just went mad when I saw Haku coming out. He didn't dare uh, leave the company when Tank Abbott was there, though, did he? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs>
2: But um, Uh, I love this match for young, very talented people, like I said, love Hurricane, Uh, like I said, a fan of Shannon Moore, love Ray, and I I like Billy Kidman, a big Billy Kidman fan during these WCW run, but could stand up today very easily, and uh, yeah, good finish as well. It
1: it ties in with with the match I raised, the the chavo Crowbar match, just showcasing how awesome the the Cruiserways were. And just again, we can't. I can't really go into into specifics because it was so fast paced, so insane. But all I've got at the end of my notes is that is fucking ridiculous in a good way. Yeah, just absolutely mad. It was. It was more. It felt more like a um, a Mexican style um, lucha tag team match where there's just always two guys that are legal and it's just complete chaos.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, like I said earlier, with like weeks having characters, even these had characters. You yeah, had two of them who were, you know, fake boy band uh, singers. Ray Mysterio, obviously, he wasn't Lucha Ray Mysterio anymore. So he was, I don't know. He was hor- Horny Ray. He was Horny Ray Ray with the uh, Tigress. That's <laughs> and Billy Kidman was just doing his thing. Uh, so, yeah, so even like you, you looked at him and you know who they were. And, like I said, and I'm not, I'm not shitting on today's WWE wrestlers because they're super talented. And the cruise rates are talented, but if I said to you, okay, uh, I know he's not in the company anymore, but say if I said to you, all right, tell me the difference between Tony Neese and so and so, you you wouldn't be able to tell me the difference between you know Oni Larkin and Danny Vetch. <laughs> One's, One's big american one English. That's it.
0: <laughs> they both do the a celebration with one finger up when they're running yeah. to the ring. <laughs> yeah. No, one of, uh, them, one of them gives uh, the number two. That probably says how much uh, effects they've got in charisma that I haven't noticed. I thought they will both do <laughs> it <I> as <laughs> Alan Shearer. Alan the cosplayers. Uh, but Seriously. we've missed...
2: Well, now I'm so... <laughs> we've
0: missed out in this match that uh, at the end of the match, Mike Awesome runs down... that well, I say run, like a slow-motion run to the ring. To attack Billy Kidman which is obviously going to have an impact on if Kidman can make it into the hair-versus-hair match uh, later in the night. Billy Kidman uh, does a baseball slide on him. Kidman jumps off over the top, and then uh, Team Canada, who uh, Mike Awesome's now a member of, because Landstorm can naturalise Canadians by sending them to the gym.
2: Major Guns as well, shout
0: out. We have covered an episode before where Major Guns got made Canadian by going to the gym. And having to do laps of a very small swimming pool.
1: But oh, no, she got she got kidnapped and forced yeah. to work out while Elix like, Skipper pretty much just rubbed his cock through his jeans. Well, we, we haven't seen what I did to my Carson. <laughs> oh god! Imagine if that was if imagine if they did that initiation for every member of Team Canada. Well, we'll have to ask like Tax act- Dobbin. Like actually, on the on the show. It just ended up being like boot camp with Lance, Canadian boot camp with Lance Storm. I nearly said Lance Armstrong for some fucking reason.
2: I I think he was was about to say Lance Archer, then Lance Storm, and all of a sudden it became Lance Armstrong. (laughs) He just fucking Archer,
0: whatever it was. You're just thinking of all those weeks when the cycling beats AEW on ITV4 in the ratings. Going back to the match,
1: this was actually on my list, so I do I uh, do agree with it.
0: It wasn't on my list, and we've agreed on a lot. So, should we put a pin in it just so we're not done uh, within an hour? <laughs> yeah, well, that's fine by me. What what what?
1: Oh, what we could do as well down the line is, if like I said before, it does tie in with just how good the cruiserweights were on this show. So, if we need, if we do want to slot it in later on, we can
0: always work around yeah. it that way. We can always come back. That's uh, that's not a problem. Since we are one day removed from the day that Goldberg promised he was going to kill Bobby Lashley, it, it's very timely, and Goldberg knows exactly that situation because Goldberg has been killed at Sin, and we're having a funeral for him on uh, this episode of Nitro. And, and Rob's, uh,
1: bra- Rob's breaking the order just to get this in.
0: <laughs> what do you I
2: mean?
0: Let's Dan's oh? go. Oh, All right. Well. Well, right, I'll edit that out. Dan. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mind keeping it, in. go for it. Because oh, oh, I was gonna bring it. I was gonna bring it up anyway. <laughs> right. Well you go, we'll see who's more eloquent and keep the best one. I
1: just I just nearly called Lance Storm Lance Archer. It's definitely gonna be you. Oh, this is gonna be good, Dan. Come on, I've got Faith, Hugo. So we're getting a funeral for Goldberg's career. Because uh, there was some bollocks about a tag team match that they lost at Sinner, some, some such shit. I think that's what it was wasn't it Rob?
0: Yeah it was a tag team match it was totally buff Buff Bagwell and Lex Luger. That was and Sarge. It was. Dwayne Bruce yeah You're right.
1: and this was this was a lesson how to make a 22 minute promo segment at the start of, uh, of a show actually half decent and not feel like a complete drag because it wasn't just one person going on a fucking monologue Unlike uh, unlike Raw at this point. So you've got Luger and Buff out in the black suit. The extras bring out a, a casket. They've got a graphic on the screen uh, memorialising Goldberg's career. And that obviously gets the crowd chanting Goldberg. Luger. Now, you've said this before, Rob, and I've mocked it because I didn't think it was true. Luger actually did a really good job of looking solemn. While Bagwell was hamming it up, it was actually half decent acting from Luger. I don't know if that's just because he was next to Bagwell. I'm glad you finally got on board the Lex Express. I'm not on the fucking Lex Express. I'm just admitting it for this one second. They open the uh, they open the coffin and there's a, there's a spear in there and a jackhammer and a copy of Goldberg's book, which I wish I could say that's the most I've laughed at a funeral, but it's not. I'll go into that story another time. Uh, Luger. Get, Luka gets on the mic. He's jotted down some uh, some thoughts. There's you know, him and Buffer as sad as ill. All the other people they hit him on the loss of a good man, a kind man, a man who had the heart of a lion. They all lost a great hero last night, and he hopes the. He said a really weird sentence, it was something like, "Hopes that he hopes the people responsible for the demise of Goldberg get what justifies the crime." I don't think that's a sentence, unless he was alluding like the punishment that fits the crime or something like that saying everyone's got special thoughts and memories of Goldberg, his unbelievable winning streak, even when he was under pressure, under the gun of never being seen again, and it finally happened, and he encourages everybody to uh, share the feelings. It's what it's what they want: share your emotions. Goldberg was a great friend to Lex, Buff, everyone in the back. And it's, uh, you know, it's on this sad but special night, Buff has thoughts to share. <laughs> Buff asked for silence, which just gets more Goldberg chants. Uh, calls Goldberg a great man. He's speaking for totally buffing the fans. Know for sure Goldberg will always be the man and does some of the worst fake crying I've ever seen. says as buff looks out there, he can see Goldberg's face, but it's kind of hard to see when he's six feet under. And just going at it as if he's actually dead. <laughs> they ask if uh, if anybody else like to take uh, or anybody in the back wants to share memories of Goldberg and then the whole segment shits the bed for a little while because Jarrett comes out he he says some words and then uh, Luger introduces uh, Scott Steiner I was going to say it doesn't matter what you were going to say (laughs) because probably going to
0: be defensive Jarrett no no it wasn't I thought that the Lex Luger and Buff Bagwell part of this segment was awesome and I thought it went downhill a bit after that. I still think it will, you know I mean you consider it to the 20 minute monologues we got on Raw with Stephanie and Kurt Angle at this point, mm. they would have crucified this segment, you'd have been turning off in droves because yeah. they were awful at this period but I think Luger and Bagwell did for the first half of this 20 minute thing did, did an admirable job of carrying the whole thing
1: Shivoni uh, and Hudson did a really good job on commentary of calling out the bullshit as well. Yes they did which <laughs> just like the sarcastic comments in the background were brilliant. It was like my internal monologue, just, like, just actually being heard on uh, on commentary. And obviously, as we know on this show, we're, we're I think we're, we're both big fans of uh, Chevonni and Hudson, especially yeah. as a commentary pair. Jarrett uh, waffles on a little bit about how oh, Goldberg never
0: never beat him because I don't think they ever wrestled. Technically, they both lost because they were in uh, War Games 2000, weren't they?
2: Oh Where's yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, They should have just called that Russo that match Russo's revenge. Yeah, it wasn't a World Games.
1: No. Um, so next up, we get Scott Steiner coming out, the, the hood emblem, the man who will lead WCW into the new millennium. Scott Steiner and, and Medeja come out. Steiner's still got the fucking chainmail on, his head, even though he's dressed all in black. Awesome. They never bothered to wear a suit. Yeah. Medesha, they even went so far as to get Medeja a black veil.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> which was a great touch was was it? it was, uh, then Scott Steiner just starts waffling on about how great he is and about breaking uh, Sid's leg. He gave Sid fair warning like he did with Sting and Booker. If you mess with the largest arms in the world, bad things are going to happen because he's got the power. Saying, <laughs> saying to Sid, as you lay there in your hospital bed with a rod from your kneecap to your ankle, you found out why Steiner's going down as the greatest world champion of all time, which brings him to Goldberg. He references the fall brawl match, claims to have given Goldberg the worst defeat of his career. And then he basically says good riddance and just gobs in the casket, like a complete dirtbag. Uh, Then we get Goldberg's music hit. And there was a pretty good bloody pop, probably the best of the night. And you see the security backstage, but it's a classic fake-out. It's flaring animal.
0: Um, But did you see what they did with that, which is something they don't do in the modern products? Goldberg's music hit, and then they went to break... And then they came back with Goldberg. Oh, did they? Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, we always talk about them not using the brakes properly. People would have been sitting through those adverts. Waiting, yeah, to, see. waiting to see, is he
1: back? Is he there? Is he, is he going to fuck shit up? And then we get Flair in the ring. And he's actually, in terms of what we've watched and, and for my taste, it was, this was actually one of, one of Flair's better promos because he wasn't quite as, as manic and incoherent saying that it's the new wcw he, he keeps calling people in the crowd fat boy just random people who he's pointing at <laughs> anyone says anyone watching this show right now have a seat put down the channel changer because the world changes tonight um calls uh, calls the people in the ring the greatest <laughs> collection of wrestlers ever <laughs> assembled in, in one ring in one night in the history of the business this is from a man who is in the fucking four horsemen <laughs> <laughs> This is from a man man who won the one of the best royal, if not the best Royal Rumble of all time.
0: I know, to a certain extent, you know, you either you know it's kind of cheer for the home team or get out of the stadium. You know, you're at a certain point and you've got to commit. But Jesus Christ! I mean, I don't know how he didn't just start laughing while he was saying that.
1: No, I don't know either. He he makes he makes a comment to a guy in the crowd. Uh, about the guy's wife or girlfriend that was uh, very unsavoury. Especially in the current climate, let's just say that. <laughs> With all the stuff going on about Flair at the minute. says, so, you know, is the the new deal whether you like it or not? One night, basically everything changed. Uh, Paige and Nash lost the tag titles. Your hero, the supposed franchise, even though the franchise is on later in the show, uh, Goldberg goes down and away. So he's... Basically, just picking up the uh, the guys in the ring goes on waffles on for a little bit. This is sort of when it started to uh, started to lose me. Call Scott Steiner the greatest champion of our time. Never mind the NFL. Never mind the NBA. Uh, last night, Sid got his leg broken too because he dared to try and be in the same on the same plane as, uh, as Steiner. And then we get Kevin Nash's music hit that really awesome NWO Wolfpack music, and Nash looks pissed just obviously directing it at Flair let me make one thing clear Flair I'm not on your team um, Flair says it might work against him Nash is going to cut to the chase which apparently means he's going to have a couple of minutes yammering on Flair's the brains of the operation which must make Stein the heart well Nash left Big Sexy in Indianapolis tonight the killer's here tells Flair to shut up Stein, tells Stein he's going to drive a stake through his heart take your belt and then he's going to kill Flair um, Flair says he's talking awful Big a guy standing there alone Nash brings out DDP and then uh, brings out Rick Steiner to a nice little pop. Uh, Nash demands a title shot. Flair, as the CEO correctly points out, Nash doesn't make the matches. Flair does. And then we get the cat come out, who's uh, won his commissionership back the night before. Uh, he still tells Scott Steiner that he thinks Steiner's booty needs to be kicked. Uh, kicked. So he makes the Steiner versus Nash match for the title. And there we have our main event. So it did lose it a little bit of steam in the middle uh, when Flair started talking uh, and, and with Jarrett. But overall, this was a
0: much better opening segment than uh, a lot of the shit we've seen in recent weeks. I think one of the things that makes it a better segment is that on Raw, at this point, everything is word for word scripted. And mm-hmm. this is it, this is improv. And people are kind of, you know, going with it and reacting to each other and, you know, making a decision and embracing it. And some of that works exceedingly well, like the first half of it, and some of it maybe doesn't work as well. But if, if this had been in WWF at this point, they would have killed this segment. Yeah. yeah. But even, even judging
1: on its own merit, you know, regardless of what we've seen in WWF, you know, and running it at the same time, I still think it was decent.
0: Yeah, oh no, it was good for itself. I, I just think it's a good job that Nitro did this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. What did you reckon to it, James?
2: Yeah, I enjoy it. It's a similar, like Buff Bagwell and Lex League affairs coming out. I mean, they can fill the suits out pretty damn well. <laughs> the suits were massive, but they filled them out. And I know it's eight years after, like, the Lex we have been watching recently, like, doing the paper reviews, but. I've always had the sense that Lex Luger's always felt so much more comfortable in WCW. And uh like we'll get into his Lex Luger, like you know, Lex Express run going through it. And I, I do like Lex Luger. I know he wasn't the greatest wrestler, but I do like him. But I always associated him with WCW, uh rather as a baby face or during this run. And you could tell that I don't if you know, he just felt more comfortable during it, but enjoyed that bit. Uh same thing with you said about Jeff Jarrett, kind of brought it down a little bit. I like Jeff Jarrett, but not really been the biggest fan of him. Flair came out, obviously Steiner, which I love Steiner, and I love this Scott Steiner with Medasia. It's my favorite version of Steiner, and I was a massive, big popper Pump fan. And yeah, and then Nash came out at the end, and you know, Nash, whatever people can say, he's always been good on the mic. And yeah. he just looks awesome, simple as that. Uh, so, yeah, when this started off the show, um, I enjoyed it. And, like, I, I, you know, I haven't watched these uh, 2001 Nitros for a long time. I, I remember watching them as a kid, but I haven't watched them for a long time. And when I was watching that, I thought, yeah, my memories come back thinking, yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, 2001 Nitro wasn't as bad as 2000's Nitro. <laughs> but that was a good segment. I did enjoy it. And so, yeah, not too bad.
1: Nash is much better on the mic than he is with the pen. I was just
0: thinking, you know, it's keeping him out of the booking office.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) I I mean, I was going to suggest this one, Dan, so I'm more than happy for it. And it it sounds like you are as well, James.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Superb. So we've got four. The next one I am going to go for, just the promo itself, not the match, I am going to go for... Believe it or not, the general rection promo.
2: I remember that it was actually a good promo. Like, what general rection? Seriously. I <laughs> <laughs> hate to play Hate to game.
0: Let me tell you something, Cole. You better booker it better. That noise right there means it's time for Steve O to booker it better. Oh, God.
1: <laughs> Let me tell you something, Cole. I've had it up to here. I'm sick to death of playing games. I'm sick to death of being referred to as Booker T, King Booker, the five-time WCW champion. Chavo Guerrero, you've just opened a can of worms, and
2: I'm going to finish your career. Now, can you dig that?
1: <laughs> he even added the can you dig that at the end.
0: Every angle in wrestling will be better with Booker T, and, and a massive thanks to Ciro this week, because he's in Carmel for two weeks, so he's been off. You know climbing hills that kind of thing and he, he didn't have a pen and paper with him so he just did this one from memory so i, th- I think that's even better but he, he didn't write a script for it this was just all live steve-o that is, that is unreal
1: oh he's a good eggy steve and we really can't thank him enough because that was brilliant
0: yeah check out steve-o's stuff on elite fpl
1: in fact, speaking of elite FPL, I'm going to drop a bit of fantasy football in here as well, because as we record, Arsenal are playing uh, Aston Villa, and I played my wildcard this week, and I brought Emile Smith-Rowe into my
0: squad, uh, which I thought, you know, he'll probably do well. Dan, you've said his name wrong. Former Huddersfield Town legend, Emile Smith-Rowe. Apologies, former Huddersfield
1: Town legend Neil Smith Rowe, and in my infinite wisdom, I left him on the bench, and he scored tonight, so that's eleven points. Sat on my bench doing fuck all, and I'm annoyed at myself.
2: <laughs> Always happens. Last week, I was making his transfers, and I was debating whether to bring in uh, Firmino or Gabriel Jesus, and I picked Jesus. So then I wanted to jump I think he scored a hat <laughs> and- trick. <laughs> yeah, on his return. So yeah, typical. <laughs> it's a hard life. A hard fantasy football life. Oh yeah. I'm just investing a bit of that today. That's Shiba. I know we're going off topic ladies and gentlemen mm-hmm. but get on Shiba because that's going to shoot up so if you want to make some money do it.
1: <laughs> don't have a fucking clue what that is.
2: Oh, uh, crypto. I don't really go at it but I looked at it today and people like yeah, this uh, Shiba share is going to shoot up so if you end up invest and in stayed like 20 quid you know in about a few years time it's gonna make some decent money. So yeah. Sheba, Shiba, Shiba.
1: And by the time you hear this it'll be a month out of date anyway.
2: <laughs> yeah. And with the I will already be a millionaire.
1: <laughs> Jim's will have been a millionaire, fucked off the podcast. <laughs>
0: I was talking earlier today about uh, tulip mania, which was the first sort of stock market bubble. I think it was in uh, uh, 1637, where the price of one tulip rose to something ridiculous. You know, someone was giving away basically an entire farm. You know, they they were giving away hundreds of bags of wheat and um, they gave away, I think it's four lasts of wine. and The last was 252 gallons. And, you know, just ridiculous things for one tulip bulb. Oh. And then, yeah. like, the next day, the value just crashed, and it went down to, like, you know, the 30 pence that it was actually worth.
2: <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it?
0: <laughs> you know, so it's not a new phenomenon.
2: Like, <laughs> that's Dan just said there, Jay-Z, the forgot the podcast. Do you remember when uh, Ken Brockman became, like, a multimillionaire on the Simpsons episode? People yeah. were like, I'm, <laughs> hey, I'm a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> there he is all that. <laughs> <laughs> Great episode.
0: <laughs> we, we need to be asking people to Simpsons episodes. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that makes lot yeah.
1: of questions. Yeah, and we <laughs> idea for season idea for season
0: two. Yeah, but getting back to this general huge erection uh, promo, one thing Thank I really you. liked about it was that you know it, it was there saying that uh, you know been struggling and fighting for the US title for the last five months and then he would lost it. And he kept, like, selling the fact that his head hurt from earlier in the night. So all the way through the promo, he kept going, oh, my head hurts. And he, he said he was sick of playing games. He was sick of having, having his head bashed in. He was sick of playing by the rules. He was sick of being General Rexion. He was sick of being Hugh Morris. He was sick of having, having his ass handed to him every time he got into the ring. Chavo Guerrero, you've just opened the biggest can of worms in your life. I'm coming to finish your career.
1: It's a way better
0: promo than I ever expected from him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a questionable person, but wow, that this was a great promo.
2: Yeah, I did it enjoy was. it. It was on my list, and then I took it off. But yeah, I did enjoy it. It was just a good promo, and um, obviously, you know that they had the history, the misfits, and action, and that. But uh, no, nah, really, did enjoy it. it,
0: it was one of my honourable mentions. It, it made my list twice. I was looking through my list earlier today, and I had. Hugh Morris promo at two, and I had General Erection promo at four,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> which probably. She, said some really, she really liked it. Well, I was looking through and I was like, "Well, I did, does this speak to the show that there were some there were some notable points and then maybe not much else?" But
2: yeah, I, I, then I was like, "I have to find something else to put on my list now." But on your top five list, one of the one of the things was something that happened the night before, and two of them were the same thing. <laughs> 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 well, I mean when, when Terry Taylor's fucking you take what you can. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it
1: didn't make my top five to be honest. So it's one that I'd uh I'd have
0: to stick a pin in.
2: Yeah, well, that's fair. Yeah, savia. I, I did enjoy it, but I'll probably stick a pin on.
0: Cool. So it's you next, James.
2: Yep. So the main event steiner for nash love nash got steiner big fan of scott steiner hopefully one day i'll be able to get the chance to interview him just they're just awesome ain't they yeah steiner this is my favorite steiner he's the world champion he's got madeja who's easy on the eye Steiner's fucking huge (laughs) there's no way going about it he's massive and yeah nash came out nash is just cool simple as that and it was a good match, and you know Nash was moving, which was a plus. <laughs> Didn't tell <tear> a <laughs> but, um, I enjoyed it, and a yeah, bit shenanigans at the end kind of ruined the match for me. But yeah, I just really enjoyed this match. It was so much fun. Steiner with his belly to bellies on someone Nash's side was impressive, and yeah, I just you know they're not you know they're not going to give you a five star match, but. Just these two larger and like figures and like two of the biggest stars in WCW at, at the time. Yeah. yeah, absolutely awesome. So I I don't know what else I can say.
0: <laughs> I, I should put in that this ma- the notes for this match that, that Kevin Nash was much faster than I expected him to be.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but just on that point of Madeia, I think she's a really underrated valet. I oh, mean yeah. I love the pairing the perfect together and we've talked on previous episodes about her almost being scott steiner's handler Mm. rather than you know that you know you've got this kind of crazy animal in scott steiner and she's the one that can kind of control him but the sort of presence that she has and yet again we get you know tearing up fan signs at ringside and you know just being that sort of badass presence you know i mean we've had a lot of strong women on these shows, China, Asia, Midnight, and Madeja's right in that category. But managed to do a lot with Medea
1: and put a lot into her character without having to speak much. Mm. Like, I, I can't recall Madeja ever cutting a promo. At least, obviously my, my viewing of, of this time period in WCW is very limited. But we've certainly never seen a cut promo on this uh, on this show. I've not seen a cut promo in in any of the ones I've just, you know, picked at random or anything like that, but you knew exactly who she was, what she was about, what her motives were, all through her body language and her actions and commentary filling in the gaps.
2: Yeah, I have been reaching out to try and get her on my show, which uh, would be awesome. But yeah, and I mean, let's just call face. face She was sexy. She had like great sex appeal and obviously being paired up with Scott Stein and that was his gimmicks, wasn't he? He's trying to get his Freak of the week and things like that. So. It was a great pair, and she looked great. And like you mentioned, Rob, like you know, she wasn't scared to rip people's signs and things like that. And because I, I think she was part of like a couple of girls, or two or three girls, at first with Scott Stein, and she stood out and became his standalone manager and awesome pair. And and after this, I don't think she she's done anything after this, uh, as far as I know. So she kind of disappeared. But yeah, if I could get her on the show and talk. about about a brief time in WCW would be great, but great pairing. And, yeah, like I said, Steiner was just awesome at this point. And I wish we had this Steiner in WWE. but unfortunately he came into WWE with injuries. So uh, such a shame. He could have been a superstar in WWE. Could you imagine if he debuted, like, straight after the invasion? Um, well, was just a during the invasion? Or could you imagine this Steiner... Uh, in WWE, at the same time or year earlier, him against Stone Cold or promos against The Rock, would have been fucking awesome.
1: Yeah, Steiner even provided an, a presence and a physical threat and, and, and a spectacle uh, when he yeah. wrestled for for NWA a couple of years yeah. ago. Uh, and he must be knocking sixty, if not sixty already, and he's still huge. Yeah, and he's still he can still do bits. You know, obviously. Whenever anybody gets to that age, it's not going to be as they were. Yeah. But he still he still did a job, and he still provided that that spark of unpredictability. Because yeah. you know you were no, no, no matter where he was, you never quite knew what Steiner was going to do.
2: Yeah, it was a proper wild card. And he, I mean, guys, just a <clears throat> badass. You know, he could kill you. <laughs> and great on the mic. Yeah, we I know you got the thirty-three and for a fair chance uh, Steiner man <laughs> I, I don't care. Scott Steiner on a microphone. You're listening to it, you're watching it because you can't wait to hear what he says. And he was just awesome. Like, I love Scott Steiner. And yeah, uh, he's one of my, you know, I, I want him on my show one day. So fingers crossed. Uh, him and Brunbreaker and Sprick get the whole family on Monday. <laughs>
1: yeah. Is there anything scarier than Steiner with a lead pipe or oh, a no. microphone? <laughs> <laughs>
0: mark madden's best ever line on commentary yeah it, it was that thing wasn't it he had one decent line of show just going back to madasia i think the difference with madasia and all the other sort of freaks of the week or whatever she was presented as an equal to scott steiner yeah. it's never a case that she was presented as as lesser which perhaps mm. all the other women involved with him were you know she was presented as a star and treated as such and the two of them together at this period were quite rightly at the top of the WCW card.
2: Yeah.
1: If if anything, she was you talk about, you know, equal to or superior that. She was the one that Steiner listened to. Midasia had essentially had the power if she wanted it.
2: she had power over me. She <laughs>
0: <laughs> to,
1: James James kill. stop James stop
2: stop rubbing your thighs. I've got perfect Tony Joe.
0: Okay? can only take too much.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm in the car tonight, little boys. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I totally agree, James. This uh, main event should go in the top five. It's uh, one that made my top four, so <laughs> top
1: four. <You> to be in <laughs> the top three.
0: <laughs> top three of the night. <laughs> it was top four because um, I carried kind one of twice, so that's only that's far down. It's not three. Yeah but, yeah, but one didn't happen on the night. All right, yeah. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, top three. It made my top three.
1: It didn't make mine, to be honest. But I've only got one more thing to bring up, and I've got a feeling that you guys will, will veto it and go for the main event. So I'll. Do you mind if I get it out of the way quickly? And then you can tell me to bugger off and we'll put the main event on.
0: Bugger off, Dan. We'll put the main event on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, just, I just wanted to bring up uh, Chronic versus Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hare. The tag title match.
2: Right, well, the two friends of the show, Brian Clark and uh, Chuck Palumbo, unfortunately I can't interview Sean O'Hare or Crush for obvious reasons.
1: Yeah. It's a great shame, but this title match was—it was kind of the antithesis in terms of style to the uh, the tag match that we mentioned before, the cruiserweight tag uh, tag match, because this was just a match of absolute units. Mm. Chronic, Brian Adams, and Brian Clark are both massive. Pulmonary No Hair, both absolutely massive, and uh, they actually had the champions come out second, which is an extra uh, bonus point for me. And it was just it was it was a it was a hoss fight, but then you had instances of like Sean O'Hare running up the ropes and back flipping away, just showing how athletic they actually were. That particularly just stood out to me as really impressive. And then he hit this kind of jumping spin kick, which was ridiculous. <laughs> um, but this match this match was just so much power moves. You had you know Brian Clark hitting you know double underhook suplex, going for the pump handle slam as well. Then O'Hare hitting a massive super kick. You had the sh- bit of shenanigans with the uh, the natural born thrillers. We were Gindrak and Stasiak coming out, but I just re- I just really like this. I'm, I'm a fan of the you know the like you've said, James. You know, big guys wrestling like big guys, but if they sprinkle in a bit of the athleticism as well, then I'm fine with it. The finish I thought was great as well. The Gindrak and Stasiak uh, distracting Brian Adams. Plumbo hits the uh, the super kick. Adams uh, kicks the rope to crotch him. Adams hits the superplex, and as he hits the superplex, O'Hare's there to hit the uh, the swanton yeah. for Pulumbo to get the three. It was another match that I looked at on paper and thought, "This is probably going to be shit." Yeah. but it absolutely, but I was absolutely blown away by it. I thought it was it was really enjoyable, really yeah. good. So that made my
2: top five for that reason. Yeah. When I spoke to Chuck Delimbo, which great guy, people who hasn't checked out that interview, please do so. we a really good interview. Spoke about natural born thrillers, and like I just said, they were so ahead of the time. All them guys was like six foot plus, pretty much. Chuck was six five, I think, six four, and Sean was probably about the same. And all these big athletic guys, and man, could you imagine a group like that debuting today? It'd be unbelievable, like all these studs, basically. But no, um, I'd be all over that. Yeah, just. You know these and life looking guys, but I did enjoy the match. Um, I did. I enjoyed the little promo book. Chronic had uh, beforehand with Ernest Miller. And I, I was fans of Chronic as a kid. Um, like, obviously, as a kid, you don't re- you don't know who's who's proper. And I didn't realize Brian Adams was, you know, coming the crush. You know, <laughs> well, he yeah. does I'm, look a
1: little bit different.
2: <laughs> yeah, it does. Like every gimmick he has, when you think about it, he does look drastically different each time but yeah so as a kid you don't know and i was like 11 at the time and obviously i i didn't have any clue that brian clark was wrath not wrath sorry well he was Raph, but adam bomb but yes and uh, i was a fan of chronic growing up and uh, the other great theme song show. Chronic, songs i used to love all that but uh, i really side note it. i absolutely
1: love wrath and mortis
2: oh yeah that blood runs code that uh storyline It's a shame, it's not a shame, it's kind of a shame that NWO happened, because if, you know, had that not, we would have seen, like, what would have happened with that Bloodruns code with storyline, like, fully with Glacier, like, because that was the original plans, but once NWO came about, that's when they started, you know, more legit, you know, like, real-life sort of angles, but at the same time, you know, we wouldn't have got the NWO, so (laughs) I can't complain too much. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's it'd, it'd have been a nice thing to see in hindsight, but you're going to go where the money is at, and the money was definitely in the NWO. Yeah, well,
2: I don't know, man. You know, Glacier, WCW champion, the company might still be around today. <laughs>
1: there was a there was a, such a great merchandising opportunity in Glacier as well. So I think yeah. we've said on this show before. If you look, at, if you're looking at action figures, if you're a kid, who are you yeah. going to take? Generic wrestler number three, or you're going to take somebody who looks who's dressed like Glacier?
2: Oh, yeah, especially, especially awesome. at that time with Mortal Kombat with Mortal Kombat as well. Could you imagine Mortis as an action figure? It would have been awesome.
0: Yeah, it'd be awesome. Yeah. It really would. I do like there, Dan, that you said generic wrestling number three, because at the time we said Kevin Sullivan. So Kevin Sullivan is now generic wrestling number three.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that stood out about him was his painted on eyebrows.
0: <laughs> I mean, you guys have got a little bit of a different opinion about this match to me because it, I found this match an absolute headfuck because they, for reasons, had shuffled the natural bra thrillers about. So the yeah. standard tag teams up to this point have been Stasiak and Palumbo and O'Hare and Jindrak, and now we're getting Palumbo and O'Hare. Sorry, wasn't Palumbo and O'Hare the WWE combination when they went over there? It was. It was. So what had happened yeah. at this point in time, they'd had a number one contenders tag team battle royal, and both of the Natural Born thrillers tag teams had been the last two tag teams in there. So they decided rather than eliminate each other, one would go from each tag team and join together. To be fair, you know, the Plumbo No hair, I guess, is the one that everyone thinks about when they, they think about the Natural Born thrillers. Having watched the last few episodes of Nitro that we've reviewed for this show <laughs> I'm more used to Stasiak and Palumbo and O'Hare and Jindrak at this point so it's a little bit of a head fog uh, and that was a bit jarring for me but you know it, going forward I guess this is what we're going to have uh, the only reason I
1: mentioned that, that Palumbo and Hair with the WWE pairing is because that's what I remember Yeah. obviously again I wasn't watching at this point so Palumbo and O'Hare just stick in my mind Yeah. So it kind of felt natural to me, but again, it's just all different perspectives, isn't it? It's just what you were watching at the time.
0: Yeah, uh, as I say, it, it was kind of jarring to me. It's always jarring to see Balaban and Hair together, just because I know that that they're a, a makeshift tag team. But yeah, I would say that we should put on the main event, which is what you predicted.
1: <laughs> yeah, and which again, you know, I'm I'm fine with. That. I just wanted to uh, at least give this match a. Uh, uh, a mention and, uh, and, and you know,
0: put it forward. Cool. So it's down to you, James.
2: Yeah, I love that match, but yeah, uh, Steiner and Nash, Medasia, main event. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that one. <laughs> yeah, shocking. So we're happy that that's around the top five. Yeah, but to be fair, like when you said to me uh, the show, and I was like, oh, what's gonna be like, watched it, it flew by the first thing, like when after that match finished. And obviously, you saw the attack afterwards and the afterbath and everything. Like, it, and it started showing you at the bottom of the network, you know, next episode come up. I'm like, wow, that flew by. And I enjoyed it. <laughs> and it, like, I know WCW 2000 does get a bad rep, and rightfully so. There's a lot of terrible there. There's some good moments, obviously. But it did kind of feel like 2001. Obviously, we know how it ends up. They ended up going out of business, getting bought out by WWE. But you could see what they was planning, like Steiner was going to be their champion for a long time, you could see they was building that company around Steiner, and you had the likes of T there, Shane Douglas, who we didn't mention, he was mm-hmm. doing a good job, I mean, Shane Douglas has always been a good promo, uh, you know, and I'm currently watching 1996 ECW and Francine's just turned on the pitbulls to join them, wow, the heat they was getting, like, was unreal, so I've always liked Shane Douglas, but you could see what they was going forward with and it's such a shame they went out of business and and you know i watched a lot wcw as a kid and, and WWE, you know rating wars and shit like that didn't bother me you know i was a kid i was enjoying both and you know same today I've, i know i've said I've, i haven't been the most positive person about aw but i do watch it now before where i, I couldn't be bothered but i do like what i'm watching I, I like adam's co-work what he's doing now but yeah, such a shame WCW went out of business, but you could see, like with this show, where they was going. Nash was doing great works, babyface. They was building this company in this stable around Steiner. Yeah, I really enjoyed the show. They still had Sting to come back. Sting was coming back. Goldberg probably eventually would have come back, probably, I would say. Mm. I don't know about Hogan or what.
0: No, that that bridge was well and truly burned by this point.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I <laughs> with Russo or what but then again now remembering it I, I remember Russo saying that the guys behind TV. it was it was long lines we didn't want Hogan there anymore so yeah they, they couldn't afford him and, and that's the bottom line you know I mean yeah.
0: that you know he was taking you know 56% of pay-per-view buys at this point and you know yeah. he, he just did not
1: to the gate and all
0: sorts yeah, yeah. 25% of the gate fifty 56% of pay-per-view buys I mean they just they just could not afford him
2: but yeah they had a good roster we praised the cruiserweights all them young guys who was starting to get more of a chance like chavo like was a great tonight and yeah and obviously like you will see in a few weeks you've got many shows after this to go through where sugar shane helms breaking out as cruiserweight champion with the sugar babies i love that gimmick uh, it was such great work and such a shame because you could see that they was building something, and such a shame it ended. It
0: was. It wasn't as bad as everyone says. There, there were certainly, you know, things to look forward to. There really were. But now it's time for an ad break, and and there weren't that many ads on the show. There really yeah. weren't. Uh, there was yeah. an advert for WCW.com, which is promoting itself. Uh, there was an advert to meet DDP at uh, Tower Records in uh, Baton Rouge. Again, it's promoting itself, and there's an advert for the Predator Twenty Twenty One. But that's because that's going to preempt Nitro next week. The Predator Twenty Twenty One. I do beg your pardon. Predator Two Thousand and One. <laughs> I've seen. Well,
1: that's just when you said it. I was thinking, it was it for the football boots? But i
0: um I've noticed that a lot more. <laughs> No, there was there was a show called The Crazy. <laughs> um, so now it's time to go through shout-outs that we've had for the show. So graham at Good Brad Wrestle said that if he'd have known that lacrosse practice was starting again, it'd have saved utt to listen to on Saturday.
1: We could extrapolate some comments about Graham's parenting, but that'd be a cheap shot, so I'm not going I'm not going to given that he doesn't know when lacrosse practice is. <laughs> But we are proud to be a, lac- a lacrosse practice, a company podcast.
0: Yeah. For, for all your lacrosse practice ignoring needs. Mags and Teller shouted us out on Radio Techers, so that was very much appreciated. Appreciate it, lads. Thank you. Go check out Radio Techers. Chris Mangle at Mangle Chris shouted us out. Uh, that was very much appreciated. Uh, he said that the Rikisha heel turn was uh, awful, and I agree it was. Yeah. yeah.
2: It really was. How can you take a guy in a funk seriously <laughs> as a <heel. laughs> Seriously.
1: The thing do you, is, do you reckon when he farted it, whistled?
0: I mean, what is that, you know, that pay-per-view, sort of a year on from Rikishi running over Stone Cold, they make him look like an absolute mug. He, he like, runs into the match, and he accidentally kicks the rock and stuff, and he's got a big bandage on his head, and it's just ridiculous
2: it was never gonna like so many ways you could have went with that angle Yeah. They should. I mean and it ended up if it was a master thing from Triple H but so many people you could have picked on that roster I know will have one of the most over fun loving baby faces and turn them heel never gonna work
0: no it was weird
2: sometimes predictability is a good thing I wish the game of Thrones <laughs> rates uh, knew that but they decided to swear us fucking dicks oh that was wank. Anyway.
0: Chris Bellis, real Chris Bellis, said that Scottish Danny appearing was continuing his world domination. Scottish Danny will take
1: over the world of podcasting soon enough, I'm convinced that he's uh, he's always great to talk to and insight, real insightful, and, and his memory second to none. It, it's exactly- I wish I had half that capability.
0: Yeah, it, it was like, can you remember this episode of Sunday Night Heat? And it's like, I, I, I barely remember Sunday Night Heat was a thing. Yeah. I barely remember last Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> is Sunday a day? It doesn't sound right to me. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, Sunday. <laughs> day of the sun. Yeah. And Scottish Danny replied to Chris Bellis saying there was more chance of Roy Cropper hurricane-ranering members of the Canastasi stasi government than him achieving world domination, which I think is completely untrue. I think he's all us into a false sense of security. Yeah. Just like we are with the American War of Independence. <laughs> Max, our father, Max, said that uh, it was in podcast heaven with a triple header of UTT, Bang Bang, and Good Cop, Bad Cop. Uh, although, to be fair, now that uh, Podcast Republic have put on uh, five times speed, he probably got through us all within an hour and uh, on to the next thing.
1: It really, We've talked about our respective powers, Rob. of you been able to interpret anything in anything that's said in 2000 wcw and me being able to translate anything kane says i'm convinced mags can actually speak by just hearing one sound per sentence or like a flash yeah (laughs) yeah he just extrapolates information from but it's like if like in like a family guy where he does the thing which is i can recite all 52 states in a quarter of a second and he just goes yeah
0: 52. Hmm, I wonder who they're taking over. Andy I mean, 50 from Bam 52. I don't fucking know. It's 50 at the moment. Andy at Bam Bam Podcast had me on the show, so uh, he was forced to shout me out for the entire length of the show. Um, Poor bastard. Yeah, well, it's his own fault for drinking laughable piss, isn't it? <laughs> and Stevo at Total Stevo shouted it out on uh, Elite FPL. He, he brought us up there he, he brought you up as well james and uh, he was uh, g- going through uh, all the podcasts that he loved so thank you very much for that steve-o
2: thank you steve just a
0: good egg, steve it really is so it's time for the awards section of the show so james as your are guest what would you give match of the night to
2: Between the cruiserweight title match and the cruiserweight tag team i might just edge it towards the tag team match because yeah, I, yeah, I'll probably just edge it towards the tag team match because I can't remember the last time I watched a really good tag team match. So that one, so watching that, like, reminded me, yeah, tag team wrestling can actually be really, really good.
0: Yep. So three count and filthy animals, Dan.
2: Um,
0: sorry, Rob. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just busy getting another untapped whack. Oh, fuck you, Dan. Right, well you're, <laughs> while you're doing that, I'm going to go for Scott Steiner versus Kevin Nash. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. It's the it's the quickest I've seen Kevin Nash move.
2: <laughs> I was tempted to go with that as well. Them three matches really did deliver. Even the Chronic and Thingy match as well, that you born match. It was four really good matches tonight. And yeah, I really did enjoy them four matches. Even like Conan and Awesome was alright, and who was Douglas facing again, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: General Hugh G. Reddit.
2: Nice. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I, I don't remember the match so much, but I remember that the, the, both their promos. So that was, yeah. But that, uh, yeah, that was a good match as well.
0: so, so you, <laughs> you, smug bastard. What are you worth putting for you? <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I was actually torn on this one. I was torn between Chronic versus Plumbo and O'Hare because it really surprised me with how good it was. Uh, or Chavo Guerrero uh, versus Crowbar. And in the end, I have leaned towards uh, Chronic versus Palumbo and O'Hare because when a match like that with four absolute units it takes me by surprise, they put on a, a, an absolute banger that I really enjoy. Um, I think it's uh, it's worthy of the spot. What's not talking to me
0: now? No, I was just seeing where my uh, flavor town would go. It's three hundred and forty-three, <laughs> so it's not an untapped what by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm, I'm just really upset by that. James, what would you give
2: your moment of the night to? Yeah, I suppose it would be the uh, re- replays of Sid's uh, leg break. It's not something to... <laughs> I, I, it's weird, it's not my favourite moment, but it's the most memorable moment, and it's something that's just engraved in my mind. Obviously, poor guy breaking his leg ain't a favourite moment for anyone, but it's just something you have to say, yeah, that just stood out so much. So by that analogy, yeah, that has to be that one.
0: Yeah. I'm agreeing with you. I think the Sid injury has to go up there. I mean, it's it's not easy watching,
2: mm. but
0: it's definitely the moment everyone would have been talking about. Dan?
1: Again, I was torn. It was the, the absolute horror and disgusting and just really difficult to watch incident that was my course of losing his mullet or, um, or it was the Sid leg break. But I've... Yeah, I have to agree with you guys. It's a clean sweep. It's it's the Sid leg break. It's one of those for, for all the wrong reasons. Iconic th- moments that you hit, and well, just the fact that we're talking so
0: much about it twenty years later. How can you not? No, yeah, it has to be on there. So, James, who would you give your MVP of the night to? So?
2: This is a tough toughie. I'm it's between Nash and Steiner because both of them. Um, for the promos, and obviously both was in the main event, which I enjoyed. Probably give it to Steiner, because I'm just a Steiner mark, especially this 2001 Steiner, so yeah. And big honourable mention to Medeja because yeah, Medesha.
0: We've talked before about WCW lacking good managers at periods, mm. and you know, she's a head and shoulders above anything else I've got on the Proverbs at the moment. Dan? Uh,
1: my MVP of the night is Chavo Guerrero. Put on an absolute banger of a match, uh, which was the first match on the show. Then he had his uh, promo segment uh, backstage with uh, with General Rection, trying to bury the hatchet and basically being mugged off because uh, old Huey's got uh, got too much stuff on his mind. And then he uh, interferes in the uh, in the US title match that we didn't really talk too much about, which was a, a decent match in its own right. So yeah, Chavo gets the franchise's chain. Swats Hugh Morris and in the title, which leads to that brilliant promo. And obviously, it's a, it's a really
0: good story point. So for me, the MVP of the night is Charlo Guerrero. Excellent. I can see why you've done that. I am going to go for perennial favourite of UTT podcast. I'm going to go for Scott Hodgson. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I can completely see that. It's been brilliant on some of these episodes. I mean, it's a step above when Scott Hodson's on commentary. He was a policeman, was he? was in law enforcement, was, sure. Yeah, Yeah, and he didn't give up the day job. Oh, well. Uh, he was a dirt sheet writer, and Bischoff, like, offered jobs to a load of dirt sheet writers. He offered jobs, because uh, Matt Madden was as well. And he offered jobs yeah. to Meltzer and Keller, but Meltzer and Keller turned him down, but uh, Hudson and Madden came in. So, James, the most important award of the night, who would you give the René Goulet Award for Outstanding Haircut of the Night to? Yeah, so, many on the
2: show tonight, but one that stood out to me was Scott Armstrong's perm, the referee. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Oh yeah, it was great. It was great.
0: <laughs> Superb, Dan.
1: Well, speaking of fluffy hair, whose mine goes to Chuck Palumbo nah. for that mane, that absolute mane of curls that he had. Gorgeous. <laughs> A human
0: poodle, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Chuck Palumbo. I'm going to go for Conan. I mean, he had enough hair to get in the hair. <laughs> 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 completely bald <laughs> <laughs> just just a completely bald cat talking to completely bald Conan about a hair versus hair match brilliant <laughs> what was your sign of the night James? oh
2: one well, yes. rip. For the fact that the f- camera focus was on Medasia so that sign was worth the sacrifice yeah.
0: <laughs> I couldn't actually see what was on that sign. I mean, normally when we've seen a sign up a sign before, it's because there's been something derogatory about her, so uh, I'm guessing there was. <laughs> what have you got, Dan?
1: Uh, so I'll just do a quick rundown of some of the notable ones. Somebody in the crowd had a sign that said, teachers will uh, we'll be late tomorrow. So fair play for the honesty. Uh, there was a sign that said, flair equals ratings. Uh, not at this point in time, he fucking doesn't. Somebody had a sign saying, where the hell is The Rock? Uh, He's on the other channel tagging with Kane and getting beat by Undertaker and Rikishi in 8 minutes and 15 seconds. Uh, That's where The Rock is. Uh, Somebody had a sign that said, uh, where is JR? Uh, He's on the other channel calling that match. Going further down. Since like 1990 or something. (laughs) Exactly. some, Some stupid fucker had a Hulkster sign. Well, he's long fucking gone. There was a sign saying, hey, yo, bring back Scott Hall, which if he was healthy and sober and whatnot, then would have been an absolute asset. And somebody in the main event walked across hard camp with a We Want Bischoff banner, which I thought was quite topical. But my favourite side came in the Chronic versus Palumbo and O'Hare match, which on brand for the show said, we'll wrestle for beer.
0: And we will. There was a sign saying, Goldberg you can spear me next held up by a woman Ooh. we're back to nitro is tinder yeah there was a sign saying i want breast implants so i can be a nitro girl do hey, you Rob? <laughs> nitro nuts, my breast implants. Well, they're, they're large enough as they are <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: preaching to the choir
0: mate So all mine yeah. my side of the night has to go for another food stuff that people love that they happen to sell people on nitro i love spam there was an I love spam sign. Yeah. We've had I love Spam and now is I love
1: spam. You just reminded me I've got a couple of tins in the fridge. I'm going to have a spam sandwich tomorrow. Spam fritters. Oh, I love spam fritters. They're my go to from the chippy near the race course after I've been to races. But if you have eight to 10 pints watching the horse racing, get to the chippy, couple of spam fritters, big portion of chips, then you're ready to carry on drinking.
0: Oh God, it takes take eight to 10 pints for me to want to eat spam. So, James, what would you rate the
2: show out of 10? This was a good show. I really enjoyed it. Not going to give it too super because I received 10 out of 10s and 9 out of 10s for really good shows. But I'll give this like a 7, I would say. I really did enjoy it. Maybe a 7.5 because there was nothing I found boring. Well, the funeral bit in the middle, Drag with Jarrett, but that's Jeff Jarrett. But, yeah, I really enjoyed it. The matches flowed evenly. So, yeah, 7, 7.5, I would say. I enjoyed it.
0: Excellent. The highest mark with Avatar Taylor so far. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just give a quick rundown
1: of uh, my thoughts. I thought match-wise, this was actually a really strong show for in-ring action. There was nothing on this show that was even approaching below average for me. I, I enjoyed all of it, uh, particularly good in the uh, the first half of the show when you had the, uh, the filthy animals and basically all the cruiserweight stuff going on. And then... Obviously enjoyed the uh, the chronic, natural Born thrillers tag is The franchise, to franchise it gets a decent match. whatever he does, main event was good, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So that got a seven out of ten for me. The promos uh, were really strong. They were good across the board. Again, all above average. Only the only the middle portion of the opening segment dragged, which is going to happen in a 22, 23 minute, you know, 20, uh, sort of not monologue segment, but you know, a talking segment. Uh, even I've not been the biggest fan of Flair's promos. Uh, throughout the run of this podcast but even he'd drop you know drop the crazy he was decent uh, so that's a seven out of ten again the production was on point the show was well paced uh, commentary was great the replays left a little bit to be desired but that's a nitpick uh, so again it was up there if not the best in the world so that's another seven storyline wise everything again was above average without being sort of top tier Goldberg's career ending the new power dynamic and the faction building and all the recruiting going on nash establishing himself as as the one to try and kill it team canada versus the filthy animals all of the you know the ongoing stuff of franchise and uh, general rection and chavo and all the rest of it. there was plenty there was enough to get your teeth into without it being in that top tier so again it's another seven fan response it was a decent crowd they knew who they liked and it was goldberg and to a lesser extent, Nash. At points, it felt a bit like a one of the early Raws. you know, when they were taping in blocks of four. Yeah. And some points, they just seemed to go quiet. And they were, it felt like they were, almost like they were tiring out. Still, it, it was solid enough, so that's a five. But it all averages out a seven out of 10, much better than it looked on paper when I was running through the card and the segments and whatnot. I was really pleasantly surprised
0: by this show. Wow, wow, a really high grade. I'm going to rate it slightly lower than you two guys. I'm going to give it a six out of 10. I thought it was all right. One of the things that, and we haven't really touched on this review, was this whole concept of Ric Flair farming the new WCW and sort of going round and, you know, uh, are you with us or against us sort of thing. And, and this whole thing of building yet another faction where it's us against the entire company sort of thing. Mm. And... You know we've had all the various versions of the nwo we've had the powers that be this felt like a overarching company-wide faction too far to me mm-hmm. you know it, it's like you know we, we've done this we've done this over and over again you know when you're going around and trying to recruit bam bam bigelow and stuff when you're treating him like a jobber at this point it, is this the way to be i'm not entirely sure so yeah, it was a decent show, but it wasn't a great show to me, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. I can completely see why the idea of a of a new heel faction be sort of passe by this point in WCW. Because we've had the N, they had the NWO, which was the peak of it. They had the, the failed NWO reboot of NWO two thousand. And now they're trying to reboot the reboot without calling it the NWO because it's the establishment that are backing
0: you know, backing the faction, essentially. So, yeah, I get it. In terms of the cage match and wrestling data, they've only had one for each. I think we've got the same joker that was before, who's given it five out of five. The one vote on cage match has given it eight out of ten. Oh, wow. Wow. Enjoyed it even more than me and James. <laughs> There's no half mark, so I guess James would have defaulted to an 8 out of 10. But, yeah, that, that's of where we sit with it. So, James, and well, I mean, the whole world
2: knows where they can find
0: you, but but where can people find you?
2: <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, lads. I really enjoyed this. But, yeah, so, obviously, you can find me on that 90s Wrestling Podcast where you find UTT Podcast over So uh, It's available on podcast form and on YouTube. And, like I've mentioned before, um Obviously, me, Mag, Dan, and Rob does the pay-per-view reviews, which is out monthly, which we really enjoy. Time just comes out. King of the Ring '93 will be just about released, and we'll be uh, looking at SummerSlam '93. We had a bit of a delay, but um, that'll be coming out soon also. And yeah, some great interviews. Some people mentioned tonight, like Chuck Palimbo. Brian Clark, uh, not Sean her unfortunately. <laughs> Diamond Dallas Page, I've also interviewed. Uh, that's probably something I'm going to be doing more, is try and get some more WCW stars, because I haven't had too many. So that's the area I like to go, because I've had a lot of WWE stars, and ACW, were not WCW. So. But yeah, so if you want to check out my interviews and pay for your reviews, uh, please do so. And I've also started a new um, side uh, project with uh, former WWE Ruthless Aggression Era star, Renee Dupree, called cafe day renee and in that show that's featuring special guests someone who we mentioned tonight coming in a few weeks uh mike so we're looking forward to that so that'll eventually lead to Jindrak coming onto my show for an in-depth interview so if you're a mike jindrake friend, there subscribe to both channels <laughs> but we also run down the latest news of the week what happens in wrestling and some talking points and Rene basically being angry with some wrestler the week uh previously it was buddy ray so he we, we had a lot to say about but um uh, yeah if you want to listen to a angry french canadian then please uh subscribe to cafe de Rene on youtube and on podcast forms yeah uh, and there's been some really excellent uh cafe de renee
0: shows you know uh, some of them have got quite a lot of traction as well in uh, the wrestling media and you know his reactions to Booker T, etc it's uh it's been really good to see. Dan? Go. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DanGriffin21,
1: usually tweeting wrestling that's six weeks out of date or movies that are 25 years out of date. Uh, as James mentioned, i on the monthly pay-per-view reviews on that 90s wrestling podcast. You've already heard where to find them. Apart from that, just yeah, come along on Twitter. I'm always happy to, to talk any form of uh, wrestling, media or entertainment and uh, I'll probably just spout
0: some bollocks and try and get a laugh. James Stormer Thunder with most of my normal outro. So you, you can find the show. <laughs> at, you, you can also find the show at our own podcast channel on UTT Podcast on Booking the Territory. The next couple of weeks are going to be quite big for the show. So next week is going to be a simulcast on the Unbooking the Territory podcast. We are going to do the last episode of Nitro. On the That Night is Wrestling podcast channel, we are going to do the episode of Raw that went. Half head-to-head with that, because they sort of... I think Nitro started an hour earlier, so an hour of his head-to-head. But, yeah, so James and Mags are going to do that. Dan and myself are going to do the Nitro episode. That's going to be great. The week after that, because that is the end of Season 1, the week after that, we are going to release the first episode of our new bonus series on Booking the Tankatory, where Dan and I will go through, match-by-match, the matches of Tank Abbott. I mean, if you love Duck Calls, if you love the hardest man in the room at any given point, this is for you.
1: <laughs> of all the things I expected to do with this podcast, it was not developing a, a bonus series of being a Tank
0: abbot fan. But I'm so happy it's come to that. Yeah, and the week after that, we will start with episode one of season two of Unbooking the Territory and we're not going from highest to lowest anymore we're going to go from first to last oh the first
1: and last the alphas and omegas of professional wrestling and everything that can possibly entail and i
0: can't wait there's good things to come so thank you very much for listening
1: my head is killing me i'm sick of playing games i'm sick of doing it the right way i'm sick of being in direction I'm sick of being Morris. I'm sick of having my head handed to me every time I get in that ring. Chavo Guerrero, you just opened the biggest can of words of your life and I'm going to finish your career.